Hello, and welcome to Boss Talks, a weekly podcast where we chat with the bosses of the multifamily industry. Who are these bosses? They might be a manager of many, a leader with no title, or just passionate about what they do. Join our host, Evan Happel, Director of Marketing at Community Boss, as he talks with this week's guest. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Boss Talks, episode 19. I have a great guest today, Eric Orsbin. I'm your host, Evan Happel, the Director of Marketing for Community Boss, and I'm really excited to have Eric today. He is somebody that's been in the industry quite a while, just in about every role when it comes to the property management side of things, and he's both been in multifamily and student housing. I'm really excited to learn from him because he has a lot of wisdom to share for those that are just getting into the industry and even people that have been there for a while. I think we could always learn from other people that have done things that we haven't. I would love Eric to join the show. So here we go. Hello. Hey, Evan. Hey, Eric. Thanks (laughs) for joining me, man. For sure. Eric. Now, here's the truth. I met you through a past guest whom is Leah Love, but really... Leah Orsbin, leasing Leah. She was a guest back, I think she was the sixth guest. So now that's been so mm-hmm. long ago. Since then, she's mo- moved into a role with Entrada and she's really excited about it. But nonetheless, she introduced yep. you to me and I'm excited to have you on the show because you yourself have been in the industry for quite some time. And like I said, had just about every role under the sun on the uh, property (laughs) management side of things. So a lot of wisdom to share, but before we get into that part of it, really love to know a little bit more about you and your history, even before getting into multifamily and student housing. How did you get here? Because I did see a little gap in time between schooling and jumping in the industry. So Mm -hmm. there was something that happened in between there and Yep. So what uh, what made it transition and all that? All right. So yeah. love to know that kind of stuff. Sure. So yeah, between Leah and I, she's we're always the yin and yang. She's the marketing leasing side, but can do operations. And I'm usually more the operations specialist, and but can do leasing and marketing. So together we make a great team. Nashville, Tennessee area. I went to school, Middle Tennessee State University, MTSU, majored in business finance with a concentration in real estate. Then I was a realtor for a year at college. So that's what I started out as and then moved over into property management from there and I've been there ever since. Yeah, and I've really, on the administrative side of property management, I've come up the ladder, didn't come in at a high level. I was a lease, I've been a leasing agent. I've been an assistant manager, a property manager, a regional manager, the vice president of my company. And I'm currently working as an independent asset manager for an okay. owner who has a student property and she has several commercial properties. So I've come up the ranks, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So out of all those, which one did you love the most when it comes to the type of work it was? Probably every level has been learning experience and educational. And you might look at the next level and think, well, oh, that's going to be easier, but it never is. Yeah. It's- I don't know about easier, but yeah. <laughs> I've had like people come behind me as assistant manager and maybe I was promoted and they became the property manager and they said, this looked easier than it actually is. But I like the operation side. So being a property manager and a regional manager and even at the vice president level, at all levels, you wear a lot of hats, but really in those roles, you might be dealing with owners and with other executives at the company, as well as the site level staff. So you're really connecting 
up and down the chain and horizontally working with vendors, that kind of thing. So that's what I enjoy. Yeah. And then was it early on that you were in student housing, then multifamily, then student housing, or was there, has it gone a back and forth or what, what's in your path? Yeah, a little bit of back and forth. I started in conventional and then I guess I was in conventional three or three or four years. I've been in the industry about 20 years. So the first three or four years was multifamily and then moved into student private, privately owned and managed student housing. And then did a little bit of back and forth. I worked for a company where we, we had both. And then most recently I've been in multifamily. So it's, yes, yeah, it's been a little back and forth, about 50-50. So I've done about 50% student housing, 50% multifamily and a little bit of commercial. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. A large part of it being student. What is it about the student housing world that you like? What have you learned that you would want to stay in that realm? Yeah. Student housing, you could do a lot of fun things on the marketing side and you're really marketing to a young demographic and so you can really have fun sometimes they're more energetic they're more likely to come out to resident events and just have a more vibrant sense of community whereas multifamily apartments sometimes people just come in and close the door to go to work they come and go you don't really see people a whole lot so there's a lot more interaction mm -hmm. events and you might have sports teams there and you can do things to support the school and support their sporting events and games and you, you always have a, some fresh faces and you're really you're matching roommates up you're really mm -hmm helping with that and people that may become lifelong friends or they're going to meet their spouse in your building. And they could be, it's more challenging, but in a lot of ways too, housing can be more rewarding. If you're looking for more meaning behind things, you're really supporting students in their higher education and giving them a kind of a, a learning living environment. Yeah. I think, yeah, I keep learning more and more about student and it's been fun to have quite a few guests now that work in that world. And so it's been fun to to learn from you guys as to what it's like, because I've never been really around mm. student housing. It yeah. was pretty new when I was even in school. I think one of the only options when I was actually a student was the housing on campus or just a conventional apartment. I never really got that kind of exposure. So it's been interesting for sure. Yeah, it's definitely a niche market it requires some right. patience and you got to be a little bit of a counselor's hat and you got to Talk to parents and may have heard a different story from their child of what's going that's on. That's true. They are new to living on their own. So you're living on their own. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole nother ball of wax to handle for sure. One thing that is interesting about your guys, your story is the fact that you have worked directly with your spouse and not a lot of people can say that. And it sounds like you guys were a really good team when you were doing that. Yeah. So what was that like and experience when it comes to leading groups of people below you as a team? Right. No, yeah, it was interesting. We did that for work for the same company for several years. I, I worked for the company and she was a consulting. So she was the outsourced marketing department for that company, but really acted as part of the company. So we mm. pretty much did the work together for I think about seven years and we'd work out of our home office and we weren't out on properties. Um, so it was interesting. We talked about work all the time. We'd go walk our dogs. We're talking about work. And right. <laughs> sometimes we'd have to say, okay, turn it off. No work talk for the weekend. <laughs> no kidding. <or> whatever. <laughs> yeah. No, that can be hard. I did but do the, a little bit of work with my wife for a while. And it is hard to know when to move on from that and uh, be like, okay, we should probably not constantly <laughs> working. <laughs> but it was we could bounce ideas off each other and I, I could, I, she would know who the people I was talking about or people I was managing or the owners we were reporting to. So it was really good. We, like I said, we're the yin yang and 
we think differently. It complements each other. And so it was really beneficial, actually. Worked well. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a cool experience to have and that it was positive. That's good. Yep. <laughs> I'm sure yep. you had your moments. Still married. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I can imagine there wasn't always it was easy or anything. But yeah, by and large, <laughs> sounds like it was yeah. good. Yeah, it wasn't too tough. We never really fault or had any it was never any really drama associated with it so it was yeah it that's worked good. well for us it doesn't I, I, I don't think it would for everyone but it did no <laughs> yeah but it's good that it did for you guys that's cool being that you had such a, a career that spanned so many both companies and also roles looks like she's watching she's a good cop <laughs> yeah, yep you wanted to share some tips for people that are new to the industry or in the industry and maybe just need guidance and mm -hmm. things you've learned for yourself maybe from other people maybe mentors you've had as well 10 things that you really have taken and applied to your career that you wanted to share and i think it's great that you want to do that because there's a lot of people out there that are new fell into the industry, don't know what they're doing. And honestly, a lot of these things apply to just about any job. So it's it's good for people to have a framework as to how to get to where they want to go. So I'd love right. to for you to share, share those. I know the first one, which is always important, was <laughs> education. So if you want to just dive into that as to the breadth of what that means to you. Yeah, these aren't necessarily in any kind of specific order, but yeah, but I still do think that's one of the most important things is education. So in the apartment industry, I think as early as you can, get some of your professional designations, mm -hmm. certifications, especially if your company pays for that through either NAA, which is the National Apartment Association, or some companies more use IRAM for education, mm -hmm. the Institute of Real Estate Management. Some companies use Grace Hill, which is a third-party training right. company to get certificates. And some companies have their own trainer and their own kind of pro training programs, which sometimes you get a certificate with, sometimes you don't. But get that education. It can teach you your job and it can teach, especially some of the professional certifications, it can really teach you how the owner looks at property and property management and evaluates. And so what your role of leasing an apartment or collecting rent or having some small rent increases, you can see how much that can increase the value of the property and understand from a bigger perspective how we can meet the objectives of the owner, the goals and objectives of the owner. Yeah. So edu education is important all around. Get so you, for the next levels. Oh, yeah. So you think the education provided within the industry, whether, it, like you said, through NAA, IRM, maybe Grace Hill, whatever, is all very valuable things to do. Do you think it necessarily is something that a, an employer looks at and goes, oh, because they have that, they're more value to me, valuable to me? Or is it more of a thing where it's a value to yourself because you're more informed? Both. Completely okay. both. It's just all around. It's an upward spiral. Your, your employer probably wants you to have that education to do your job better. And that helps you do your job better and helps show your employer or other future employers that you're in the industry long term. You're looking to learn. You're looking to grow. So just all around. It can help you learn about what the person at the next level does as you're wanting to grow. So all around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, and I'm constantly tied to education. I think also maybe adding to that is other people and whether that's having a mentor or just peers that you can learn from that are doing other things, which is another thing that you have here, asking to learn the duties of the position of where you want to go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my other, of our, of my top 10 tips here. That's yeah. one of them is really to learn, you skipped one here. So, my oh, yeah. so this, some of it, 
the order kind of matters. Sure. So number two was decide what role you want to grow into. Right. And you can be flexible. You don't have to have a anything strict, but just know where you want to grow because you've got to know where you want to go to be able to get there. So there's somewhat of a linear role up the traditional chain, leasing assistant, manager, regional manager. But there's also, but most companies have a marketing department. They may have internal collections department. They might have a trainer role. They have some administrative and accounting roles. So it's, there's different things that you can do. And there's, at some point, people in the industry work for vendors, such as yourself. And right. so there's lots of different career paths. One of my tips is just know where you want to go, where you want to go next, or what your long-term career is. And then yeah, what you had just mentioned is try to learn the duties of the position you want. Mm. So if you're a leasing agent, try to learn the duties of an assistant manager, which might be posting rent, doing move-ins and move-outs, um, to just make you ready for that next level. If that person dial on vacation, you know, sick, you have the opportunity to just do those and get that experience. And if you're an assistant manager, you try to learn the duties of a property manager, which might be going to an eviction court, helping write the monthly financial narratives and variance explanations, that kind of thing. If you're a property manager, ask your regional if there's anything you can do to help them out and explain that you want to do what you can to learn for your future growth um, and so on up, up the chain. So, you know, if you can already do the duties of the role right. you want to grow into, or at least have some experience with, you're that much easier <laughs> to promote when, when right. something comes up. And if you're not, if I'm looking at promoting you, it's just a huge benefit that I'm not going to have to, you're not kind of starting from scratch. You can already do a lot or all of those duties that you'll be doing. So, yep. yeah, <laughs> I think it's a good word because I think people that show interest in more than just their job, it tells your boss and your boss's boss oh, this person wants to contribute to this company in a bigger way. It's not just, oh, they want to, they're comfortable being whatever position they are. And they really have no desire to do anything else because they don't show any initiative to um, do more than that. Yep. I see, I see that in the jobs I've had with when I've been over different people or just in my position, I always tried to be a learner and ask questions and show that I want to know more than just what I'm doing. Yep. That's, I think that's a very important thing. Plus it makes your, makes you better at your own job, what you're doing right now. Anyways. It does. It really does. You're right. Yeah. And you can help out when somebody goes on vacation, <laughs> the place won't collapse and your boss could go on vacation without worrying. Yep. You're exactly right. Yeah. So make their life better too. <laughs> Yep. So beyond learning the job ahead of you, I think this is a great piece of wisdom. It's also have a heart of teaching once you, when you're in a position, teaching somebody that might replace you. Yep. Yep. You're exactly right. So the flip side of number three, number four is yeah, teach the person that would be most likely to replace you if you were promoted because that makes you more promotable. <laughs> yeah. It makes that person more promotable. And it's just, it just makes everything easier to shift up. Take that time. Some managers, assistant managers, they just, they do their job and they don't delegate enough. That's one of our problems in the industry. For a lot of people, you don't delegate enough and you don't, I don't have time to train this person to do this. If you make the time, they can do that more and then you'll ultimately have more time. So yeah, preparing right. that person who would be most likely to take your position if you were promoted, just, just helps all around. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, really good thing because I'm always wanting to learn something new and dive in and get my hands dirty and something else. So number five is hit your KPIs, your key performance indicators. So some examples, some are pretty 
universal that all companies look at, but really companies can really look at different pieces of data points and really put a different focus on different things. So for example, if you're in leasing closing ratios, mystery shopping scores, if you're assistant manager or manager, these might be delinquency, whether the company manages as a percentage kind of month end or a dollar amount, or they expect you to have zero by month end, your property's retention or renewal rate, 35% a typical benchmark, but that could vary by market, by property, your revenue expenses, NOI compared to budget. Audit scores, if your company does any type of regular audits of your resident files or any kind of your systems or your paperwork, that kind of thing. Hit your KPIs, know what those are for your company and be sure you hit them because when it comes time to promote you, most companies are going to pull those things out. And they're going to look at the numbers. They might know you're going to do a good job, and it's but they got to look at the data and they might have to convince someone above them or compare you to other applicants and you want them to pull that up and have good numbers. Hit your key performance indicators and those Whatever your company puts the most focus on, they're telling you that's what's most important to them. So focus on those items. Yep. Yeah. If, yeah. If you stink at your job, I don't think anybody's, hey, yes, you're terrible. You can get promoted without being great at everything. As a hiring manager, I've, prom I've promoted or hired property managers who are really good at leasing and filling the building, and but they're mm. not really good with their paperwork. <laughs> and sure. I just... No, I have to, I might accept that and match them with a strong assistant manager and, and get that kind of yin-yang team at the site level. But if you can lease and fill the building and we can work around that at times at low levels. And so, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> the different skills and abilities that people have, but. Or give them some extra training. Hey, you should probably go take a time management course. <laughs> yep. Exactly right. <laughs> Back to education. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> at the end of the day, don't throw people out just because they struggle at certain things. Maybe we just need to make mm -hmm. them better at it. The yep. weak spots. But know your weak spots too, right? I think that's another yep. thing to add. Know your weak spots yep. and get better at them. Yep. I agree. This one was taught to me early in a different job. And that's where, again, a lot of this stuff is very transferable to really any career you have. But keep track of your wins. So have a bat brag book, you say here. Yeah. I think yeah. I think that's very good. Yeah. So tip number six is keep a brag book. Yeah, I call it brag book. It could just be a digital folder. You throw stuff in. You might keep it on paper or, or both, but just keep your accomplishments. So examples of what could go in your brag book are mystery shops that you have great scores with, your Grace Hill certificates or other kind of education certificates, a, a kudos email from your supervisor. Save those. <laughs> PDF print and save that sucker in your personal files. When your regional or someone says, great job on your closing ratio this month or hitting exceeding your NOI this month, Ooh, I'm going to save that. So just build that database. Recommendation letters from past employers. Thank you notes from a resident or, or a prospect as an email or if they get you a card or a paper, save that <laughs> because not everybody yeah. gets those. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> People usually go out of the way when they're mad and if they're happy, they don't. Uh, online reviews that might mention your name, just anything like that. Just build your brag book because it, it, it may not seem like a big deal to you at the time, but accumulative. And as you're looking to be promoted down the road, you can pull this stuff out and say, hey, look what I've done. Look what, look what I can do. And you might not use all of it when you go to actually submit your resume and application for a promotion or a new job, but you have a data bank to pull from, to pull a few key items from and really it can 
help you to go back through that stuff and remember for yourself your accomplishments and yeah. boost your own. Oh, wait, I'm good at what I do. Right. <laughs> right? You have imposter syndrome, like most people do. You can right. remind yourself, I've done yeah. all this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Adding to that, we were just talking before the, uh, the show about imposter syndrome. And I think it's a real thing that people struggle with. And even in the midst of what we're talking about here, thinking about, hey, there's that role I want to do and getting over the fact that you're not in it yet. And even when you get into it, like feeling like you don't belong there, it can be hard to jump into the next stage when you haven't done it before. And it's, do I qualify? Am I good enough? All the things, right? Yeah, it is something I th think what I've read about it is really identifying it early and then probably pay attention to when you're winning and stuff so that you can boost mm -hmm. out of the mm -hmm. feeling like I don't belong here. <laughs> yep. You're right. We're all just ma making our way and doing our best. And <laughs> yeah. We're all in yeah. it together. <laughs> yeah. But that is a real thing. I must, I, I haven't never even heard that term till probably a year ago. And uh, it's like, no, I've, I think I've felt that in every job I've changed <laughs> into. <laughs> Most people do. There are some people who just have that innate confidence. It doesn't, they can be really yeah. messed up if they have that confidence. But most people, I think, have imposter syndrome. I've met very experienced people who, who have that. No, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I think is a good thing to speak about here, too, because then it's people, when you get into that role, you can fight against that. Don't let that deter you from sticking with it, doing your best. Because when you're applying for a position and it lists, the qualifications if you don't hit all of them go ahead and apply you never yeah. know because an employer or a hiring manager is describing their ideal candidate but they might not get any resume from anybody right. that hits all their key points don't be deterred by that and just be willing to learn and grow into it and that's where maybe the brag book comes in is you can show where you've been in positions that were outside your comfort zone and how you grew and learned and were able to conquer that new thing because then they can see, oh, all right, you're not quite quote unquote qualified for this, but you show that you take initiative to, to learn new stuff. So let's mm -hmm. take a chance. Yep. That's right. All right. And then your next one, you can go ahead and add that one. All right. Number seven, and you mentioned earlier, let your interest in growing be known. Don't yeah. keep it a secret. Don't right. wait till you see the position you want and then raise your hand. Just let it be known. And you don't, you don't have to pester anyone, but just let it be known that, hey, I want to grow or I want to grow in this way. Or I want to grow in this role if something comes up. Just express that to the decision makers. Because when the opportunity arises, you just want to be automatically at the top of people's heads and ready to go. And sometimes on occasion, a position might be made for you if, you, if it's known that you want to grow that wouldn't have existed otherwise. So an example might be, if you're a property manager at a, and there's a smaller property near you and then maybe there is a, a newer, less experienced manager at that property, you might they might say, hey, let's this person wants to grow. Let's make them an area manager. So they're still a property manager, but they're overseeing this smaller property or, or a mentor or something like that. So if it's known that you want to grow, it's more, more likely an opportunity will come your way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They, well, other than seeing like you're good at stuff, manager, again, might assume you just like being where you're like, all right, you're doing great there. I don't want to move you. Yep, that happens. <laughs> Got to be vocal about yourself for sure. Development, your own development is your own. You have to own that for sure. And just ask for, I didn't really have this written down in my notes here, but ask for feedback. What do you think I need to do to be ready 
to be mm-hmm. promoted down the road. So you can get that feedback ahead of time of what you need to do to prepare yourself. Right. Yep. hundred percent. And then the next one, some people might view this as, Oh, wow. I got to admit this, but just when you're looking for opportunities, not just here, but elsewhere too. Right. Yep. Yeah. So my number eight is sometimes you need to watch for opportunities at other companies. <laughs> yep. It's if you love your company, you like the culture, there's lots of opportunity. By all means, stay with your company. I'm not trying to pull, tell anyone to, to, to leave their companies, but if the company culture is not a great fit for you, or if there's just no room to grow, I've seen right. some companies have one property in a state and there's no other properties in that state. If you're that property manager, there's nowhere to grow. If you're not, for example, open to relocation and moving, you're kind of you've maxed out. So be open and look at opportunities at other companies. You can stay in touch with what the current salaries are yeah. for that for your position and, and realize that you're maybe being underpaid and things have changed a lot in the last year or two. Um, so you can use a recruiter. You can just keep an eye on things and don't be afraid to look outside your company. Yeah. And maybe I'll add here and maybe you've been active. I'm not sure, but there's associations in just about every state or region when it comes to NAA or their affiliates. I know student housing is a little different. I'm not sure how active student housing gets in the associations. Maybe you can speak to that because I'm not, I really don't know how that flows, so to speak. Student housings don't tend to be at student property management companies don't tend to be as active in like the National Apartment Association. But at the same time, there are some specific student housing conferences that National Apartment Association puts on. Yeah, it's almost a different different trade show sometimes. Yep. So maybe it's just befriending and getting to know your quote unquote competition, even in your own city. It's a small world that we are in. And at the end of the day also is like, maybe look beyond if you're in student, maybe look to the other side and see, especially in your town, if you're not willing to move, what else is there out there? The other side of it too, is maybe there's a supplier that you've worked alongside and you've been interested in their company. That could always be an option as well. And I think so often, maybe people don't see that part of it is that the multifamily is bigger than just property management. There's a lot to it. And uh, so there's a lot of options, honestly, I would say. Yep, exactly right. So a lot of opportunities out there. I think uh, leasing professionals could be great for, especially prop tech companies when it comes to being success or even sales or because you're very relatable to those that are working in property management. Oh, just like my wife, she went from started out in leasing just like me and in management companies, and then had her own consulting company, and now works for Intrada, right? Software on the vendor side. Lots yep. of things you can do. Lots yep. of ways to grow. Yeah. And you're still in the family. And then, oh yeah, number nine. I think this is something, especially in the midst of COVID. Maybe we've we've lost sight of. Honestly, it's the yeah. way we dress. <laughs> so number nine is dress for the position you want. <laughs> so I heard that years ago and it stuck with me. Dress for the position you want, not the position right. you have. Yeah, a, a lot of different properties and a lot of times are pretty casual in the apartment industry. So there may not be much of a difference, but if there is, just be sure you're dressing in a way that is people can just visualize you in that position that you want to be in. So the part. Because you will stand out for sure. Yep. And I think even more, it's funny, the whole video, the world we are in now is so virtual in this, right? Video conversations and conference calls and all the things. Even within your company, 
maybe taking that extra effort to make sure you look good on camera because you'll stand out because a lot of people are wearing sweats and you're right. No, you're right. Not, uh, not really putting effort into it. If you do, then you'll stand out for sure. And then once you've kind of gotten all these different things under your belt, education, exposure to different things, you're doing really well at your job. You found jobs that you want to do. Now you got to interview and apply, right? Yep. What, uh, what are your tips around that? Yeah. So my number 10 tip is take the time to learn how to interview. It is an acquired skill. So, you know, you may have been a certain company or in a certain position for many years. So you might be rusty at interviewing. Somebody I know right now, a good friend who she's been with the company for 14 years and she's moved and she's, I haven't interviewed in over a decade. This is, I got to relearn this. And and in general, a lot of people feel awkward about talking about themselves or bragging Mm -hmm. about themselves. It really is a unique skill of you're bragging about yourself, but also being humble. How do you talk about your accomplishments, but be hum- humble? There's plenty of education online. Just think through that on Indeed.com, YouTube, books, audiobooks. I listen to a lot of audiobooks when I'm in the car, so I'm always trying to learn something. And specifically, plan ahead for the question that you might be asked during an interview. There's, there's online, there's lots of examples. You know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses right. or areas of improvement? About a time you had a difficult employee you were managing, how you handle that. So think through all those and write them out ahead of time. So you're not going to read from that script, but at least you've thought through most scenarios of questions they might ask. So you're not on the spot and trying to rack your brain to think of examples, have some examples and stories and just think through your responses to what you're very likely going to be asked. <laughs> yeah. And these are all great. I'm going to add one more to your tips. Go for it. Maybe it's two. Maybe they go together. I don't know. But LinkedIn, if you don't have a LinkedIn profile, and even if you have a LinkedIn profile, if it is not up to date and very robust in the sense of you've explained your roles and your bio is maybe showcasing things you've done get recommendations from people that you've worked with and get those on there so that people can see that, oh, people have enjoyed or here's the strengths that they say. And people will even like the skills that you have, they'll add those to your profile. So LinkedIn's great. And then once you're on LinkedIn, actually be in, be active on LinkedIn and network. I've messaged so many people directly not seen by others whether that's high up leaders and companies or whatever asking how asking for advice like from them or whatever connecting with them not directly necessarily asking them for a job linkedin if you're not on linkedin get on linkedin yeah it's your online resume you know yeah way. it's <laughs> I, I think it's almost the new resume right i don't know if you're using it right you could get a job just by being on linkedin and connecting with people Honestly, I've done it actually twice now. There you go. <laughs> so make sure you're on there, you know, that because if you can't, you can connect with people that are across the country or across your city or whatever, but virtually, and you can't do that if you're just a part of an association or just part, you should be involved in those. But I think social media for all its potential negatives, yeah, there's mm-hmm. definitely that positive for sure. Yep. Um, what's next for you, Eric? Thanks for sharing all those tips. You're <laughs> sure. I know you're doing a consulting role or contract work for an owner. What are your hopes and desires for the future potentially? Like what else? What are other things that are on your the horizon for you? I'm open now. Yeah, I'm working with this owner who may 
need help long term, but I'm helping her solve some problems to get a lot of things on cruise control. So I may just work myself out of a job or <laughs> you kind of do that sometimes in third party management too. You, you get a property running smooth and the owner sells it. So that may turn into part time uh, or it may stay full time. I'm excited to do a lot of things in the industry and looking at what I can do on the property tech side or just helping owners at a higher level and just enjoying it. I'm having fun. Yeah. That's good. One thing I wanted to point out, there was a question from somebody regarding education. And when it comes to getting education through the NAA channel or through IRAM, is there one or the other that seems more not reputable, but one that's looked at as like maybe more promotable or something that's better for your career? It's funny. I worked for a company for many years in Wisconsin and they did more IRAM education owner was actually a, taught a lot of the IRM classes. And so many years, 12, 13 years ago, I got my ARM, which is accredited residential manager. And then I was starting to get my CPM, which is the highest level with them, a certified property manager. And I was about 60% of the way through that. Moved to New Orleans, the company I was working with here does NAA education. <laughs> so I said, okay, let me switch. And so there's a couple of years that didn't have the courses because of the pandemic, didn't have in person. So I just recently took my CAPS course, Certified Apartment Property Specialist. There's lots of acronyms. And so I've got to go take the test here in a couple of weeks to get that. So I've done both actually. And when I was looking at making that change, IRAM is a little more expensive, especially at the higher levels, the CAPS versus the CPM. So CPM is a lot more ex expensive. So if your company's paying for it, take advantage of it. And just the research I did showed that it was, it's a little more prestigious but it's not some big difference. NAA is definitely more affordable, um, but they're both great. They're both great. Yeah. IRAM focuses on ethics first, mm -hmm. and NAA's general operations, of course, with ethics, and they both do they both do everything. But there's good on both sides. I've done both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess the answer there's is no wrong answer. No wrong just answer. <laughs> get some education. <laughs> get some education. Get some education. If your employer's paying for it, especially. Take it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Most definitely. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing all those tips and just your history. I really appreciate you being here. I have three questions that I like to end the show with. And so first of all, we are community boss. So it's in the name. Yes, our software is really about helping manage the physical aspects of a community. But it is community nonetheless. So I want to know from your perspective, for your personal life, your professional life, how did, how is it that you found success in building community with others? Just networking, reaching out, connecting with residents or, or just others as a regional. Whenever I'm at a property, I talk to residents and I just say, hey, listen, look, you know, they're just coming in to pay their rent or get a package or whatever. And I say, hey, let me ask you, what do you like about living here and hear what they have to say? And I say, what can we do better? Just getting that feedback and getting that engagement, having open communication and, and working with college students, you might have a 19 or 20 year old and some you know, very shy, reserved people and just trying to engage them. What's your major? Where are you from? And so just connecting with people. Yeah. 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 It's, it can be simple for sure. Sometimes we overcomplicate. Right. Stuff. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Next up on the questions is if you were to have somebody over for dinner, what would you make for them? Oh. I don't cook, so I'm gonna order something. <laughs> oh, that's the so, first answer that like that. So what would you order then? I don't know. My, my wife and I we just 
we'll get Tavala. We have a Tavala where they bring the meals and you put it in an oven, special oven. You scan it and just makes a nice cooked meal for you. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think I've seen those before. <laughs> oh, you have one of those things. Okay. Highly recommend it. It's almost as quick as a microwave, but it actually cooks your food in about 20 minutes. Crazy. And it tells you what to do. You literally, it? it's a minimal prep. You uh -huh. unzip it. You might have to put some sauce or stir it. You put it in this. It's almost like a special conventional oven. You scan a barcode. It sets a temperature. It sets a time. There's, it's so easy. <laughs> so out of all that, which was the recipe or whatever that you would make for them? We're going to, we're going to find out if they're vegans or vegetarians. Okay. All right. Well, that's very kind of you. A lot of people are. And we're going to have, uh, you know, maybe we're going to have something traditional of turkey and dressing. Maybe that's on my mind because Thanksgiving's coming up. <laughs> okay. All right. That's good. And then finally, we are from Seattle up here with Community Boss. Mostly we're remote now, so we're based in Seattle. We have a great tradition, or I should say, good many of us in our company have worked in coffee in some regard at different levels. And so what's your favorite coffee drink? Both Leah and I independently have never really drank coffee. I've never, I've, I've sipped at a table, I've never drank a whole cup of coffee. I just never have it. So we get our caffeine from our diet sodas. <laughs> All right. You're a diet soda guy. So All right. So oh, what's your favorite diet soda then? Uh, Pepsi Zero. That's what. Okay. I'm not picky. Right. Leah's picky. So we have Pepsi Zero in the house. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right, Eric, thank you so much for being my guest today. Episode 19 of Boss Talks. And just like I always end the show, if you want to be a guest, reach out to me on LinkedIn or Facebook or email or however you want to get a hold of me. Reach out. I'd love to get to know you, get to know your story and have you as a guest here on Boss Talks because this is all about elevating all the bosses of the, across the multifamily industry and giving you a platform to show how you're awesome. Till next Wednesday, I'll see you for episode 20. So it'll be a great one. Again, thank you so much for being with us live, participating, giving questions. We really do appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Boss Talks podcast. If you would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out via email at info at communityboss.com. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to like, share, and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also watch the podcast live every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Community Boss LinkedIn or Facebook pages. Until next time, manage like a boss.